This episode of Common Sense Christianity is sponsored by, well, nobody, because you haven't helped us grow. So if you do not mind, make sure you share the podcast. Make sure you help the ministry grow so we can spread the gospel to more and more people using the internet. God bless you guys. Enjoy the episode. Welcome everybody to Common Sense Christianity. As always, I'm your host, Ethan Foster, here today with another episode. Uh, guys, God is still working in all of our lives. He is doing great things, uh, even though you may not be able to see it right now. I forgot to pull up my verse of the day, and it, interestingly enough, I'm going to try and describe this best I can. So my laptop has a certain amount of plugs to put in, and I have two USB ports uh, on my laptop, and I need three, so I have to disconnect the keyboard to my computer screen in order to record the podcast. So I cannot pull up a verse of the day right now. Uh, guys, just continue praying uh, for this country, for the things going on in this world. Remember to stay educated. Remember to try and get to the truth and not just uh, hear one side of the story. There is always another side to something. Uh, before we get to the topic of today, I did a poll on my private Instagram. And it says, do you support SeaWorld? And unfortunately, it won't give me the statistics. Last I checked, it was 35% to, to 65%. 35% said yes, and then 65% said no. My thoughts are on this particular subject that, remember, we ought to support uh, the, company that, the company that's best at doing their particular job. Because uh, if SeaWorld fails, then the orcas will uh, t bear the price, uh, bear the consequences of it. They'll probably, it, again, I say hypothetically, I've said it numerous times, if SeaWorld shuts down, their orcas will most likely be sold to some other country that does not take care uh, of their orcas nearly as well as SeaWorld does. Now we are moving on to today's subject. We're not talking about animal rights. We're not even talking about injustice. This gives you a look back at season one and season two about me bashing on atheists, which is my favorite thing to do. It's a lot of fun. Um, and it comes from the one and only American atheist. We are talking about the moral objection. The article says ethics without gods. And it reads, one of the first questions atheists are asked by true believers and doubters alike is, if you don't believe in God, there is nothing to prevent you from committing crimes, is there? Without the fear of hell, fire, and eternal damnation, you could do anything, like can't you? And here is the introduction of the article. It says, it is hard to believe that even an intelligent and educated people could hold such an opinion, but they do. It seems never to have occurred to them that Greeks and the Romans, whose gods and goddesses were something less than pardons of virtue, nevertheless lived lives not obviously worse than those of the Baptists of Alabama. Moreover, pagans such as Aristotle and Marcus are, are I can't even pronounce his last name, continuing on, although their systems are not suitable for us today, managed to produce ethical uh, tr uh, treatises of great sophistication, a sophistication um, rarely, if ever, equaled by Christian moralists. And this is purely uh, idiotic. They're, they're trying to draw a narrative here to automatically combat 
the question of morality, but in, in that they ignore the total question. Now, the way they phrase the question to begin with is wrong, and Christian apologists, and likewise me, uh, uh, me personally, I do not use the argument of being scared of hell because it's a it's a, not a good argument to use. You shouldn't believe in Christ because you are afraid of hell. That is a bad reason to believe in God. Uh, and rather, the Bible is very clear that um, that morality is written on everyone's hearts because God put it there. But humanity is ultimately flawed by sin. However, the, the problem is, is that how do you justify this? Now, they're going to make the argument of evolution generating morality. But what is the justification of this morality? Oh, why should we follow it? What, what makes it right or wrong? And why should we enforce it in our laws and in our society today? Continuing on with the article, the answer to the questions posed above is, of course, absolutely not. The behavior of atheists is subject to the same rules of sociology, psychology, and neurophysiology that govern the behavior of all members of our species, religious included. Moreover, despite pro uh, protestations and the contrary, we may assert as a general rule that when religionists practice ethical behavior, it isn't really due to their fear of hellfire and damnation, nor is it due to their hopes of heaven. Ethical behavior, regardless of who the practitioner may be, results always from the same causes that is regulated by the same forces and has nothing to do with the presence or absence of religious belief. The nature of these causes and forces is the subject of this essay. And we will discuss the, what they're about to write. And they make a, I, I think, a decent argument, but we'll explain why it doesn't justify anything. So, uh, as human beings, we are social animals. Our sociology is, uh, is a result of evolution, not choice. Natural selection has equipped us with nervous systems which are uh, peculiarly uh, sensitive to the emotional status of our fellows. Uh, among our kind, emotions are contagious, and it is the only rare uh, psychopathic mutants among us who can be happy in the midst of a sad society. It is our nature to be happy in the midst of happiness, sad in the midst of sadness. It is in our nature, fortunately, to seek happiness in for our fellows at the same time as we seek for it. It ourselves. Our happiness is greater when it is shared. And this is a complete lie. And when you look at human history, humans are ultimately selfish. You can see this in the Bible. You can see this in Greek and Roman culture. You can see it in American culture. You see all through history. So we create systems. We create laws to try and cope with this. But in the end, what does it justify? In the end, what is the ultimate justification for having one law over another? Should we kill babies or should we not? Should we um, respect each other's private property or should we not? Should we vandalize or should we not? Should we respect our leaders or should we not? What is the justific justification for this? Continuing on, nature has provided us with nervous systems which are to a considerable degree imprintable. To be sure, this phenomenon is not pronounced as or as inequitable as it is, say, in geese, there are newly hatched gosling can be imprinted to a toy train and will follow it with exhaustion as if it were its mother. Nevertheless, some degree of imprinting has exhibited 
by humans. The human nervous system appears to retain its capacity for imprinting well into old age, and it is highly likely that the phenomenon, the phenomenon, oh, oh my gosh, I, I can't even say, phenomenon, um, Dang it! All right, we'll, we'll skip past that. Usually, I could say that word. Uh, known as love at first sight is a form of imprinting. Imprinting is a form of attachment behavior, and it helps us to form strong and interpersonal bonds. So let's go ahead and break this down. So they they try and make a direct correlation between the biology of humans, human evolution, human development. Uh, to just uh, to explain morality, but uh, it doesn't justify anything. I don't know if they uh, if they address my points that I'm gonna make in the article because I I skim through articles before I read them on the podcast. I don't read them in depth, and I know some of you may think that is irresponsible of me. I do that because I try and keep this podcast as authentic as possible, and it helps me uh, grow in my knowledge of particular subjects. And if there is a question that comes up in the article that I don't know, it is used as a learning experience, not only for me, but for you guys. Because when you have discussions with atheists, you won't have anything prepared unless it's a formal debate. You will go from the knowledge that God has given you or from the knowledge that you have allowed yourself to gain. And that is what I try and regurgitate on the podcast. I don't prepare for my interviews with Hannah and Gabe. I don't prepare uh, for debates with people. I speak my mind. I speak my heart. I speak the facts that I know. Uh, But continuing on, the human nervous system... Oh, well, I I lost the place where it's at. I I just... uh, We'll skip over this section. Uh, this should not surprise us when we consider that among the societies of our nearest primate cousins, the great apes, social behavior is not chaotic, even if gorillas do lack the Ten Commandments. The young chimpanzee does not need an oracle to tell its it to its honor, its mother, and to refrain from killing its brothers and sisters. Of course, family squabbles and even murder have been observed in ape societies. But such behaviors are expectations, not the norm. Exceptions. Uh, so too, so too in human societies everywhere and at all times. But see, they ignore the entire point of what is the justification. What on earth is a reason why we should even follow it? Why should we be outraged by taking someone's life? In the end, they have no value. They're just a clump of cells. They are just moving matter. They are just chemicals that happen to work together. What is the value in it? They try and give the biological explanation, which is a good explanation, but there is no justification behind it. So there is no reason to accept this. The African apes whose genes are 98% 98 to 99% identical to ours go about their lives as social animals cooperating in the living of life entirely without the benefit of clergy and without the commandments of Exodus, Leviticus, or Deuteronomy. It is further cheering to learn that social uh, biologists have been observed, have even observed altruistic behavior among troops of baboons. More than once, in troops attacked by leopards, aged most 
post-reproduction age males have been observed to linger at the rear of the escaping troop and to engage the leopard in what often amounts to, su to a suicidal fight. As the old male delays the leopard's pursuit by sacrificing its very life, females and the young escape the live to fulfill their several destinies. The heroism we, which we see acted out from time to time by our fellow men and women is far older than their religions. Long before the gods were created by fear-filled minds of our less courageous ancestors, heroism and acts of self-sacrificing love existed. They do not require a supernatural excuse then, nor they, do they require one now. Given the general fact then that evolution has required has equipped us, I should say, with nervous systems by, based in favor of social rather than antisocial behaviors. It is, is it not true, nevertheless, that antisocial behavior does not does exist, and it exists in amounts greater than a reasonable uh, ethicist would find it tolerable? Alas, this is true, but it is true largely because we live in worlds far more complex than the Paleolithic world in which our nervous systems originated. To understand the ethical, ethical significance of this fact, we must digress a bit and review the evolutionary history of human behavior. And this only subjects behavior. They only talk about behavior in the sense of what our social structures are in, a, in an evolutionary sense. But they completely ignore so far the justification process of it. And most atheists don't even try and touch it because they know it is impossible to explain. It's impossible to justify any moral principle, a moral law, any moral purpose without a guider without a creator without, of those laws. It's to say we obey the Constitution if the Constitution doesn't exist. If the Founding Fathers never wrote freedom of speech, and then we say there's freedom of speech in the Constitution, when there's no Constitution, when there's no freedom of speech, then what are you justifying it? That was confusing. Uh, I, I pulled that uh, off the top of my head. But I hope you understand the point. It's like quoting an author in a book that doesn't exist. There is no reason to because it does not exist. Morality does not exist if there is no God. Because there is no author of that book. We are just matter. We are just cells in motion. Mindless robots exploring and interacting and reacting to the world around us. And that is what atheism is all about. That's what it is. So if we are just mindless robots, if we are just reacting uh, to the world around us, then what justifies anything at all? Why should we have a society? What makes looting wrong? What makes robbing wrong? What, what makes murder wrong? You can talk about the biological and historical aspects all you want. There's no justification for it. The 
Biology and history explains what happened and why it happens. It does not justify the facts of the matter. And you could say morality is developed by society, which is a reasonable argument, but then that means you can not have any problem with American slavery. You can have no problem with genocide of the Jews or genocide of Muslims today in China because society is the ultimate dictator of it. So you cannot judge other societies for creating their own morality because you have no way to justify it at all. Continuing on, today heredity can control our behavior in only the most general of ways. It cannot dictate precise behaviors appropriate for indefinitely varied circumstances. In our world, heredity needs help. In the world of a fruit fly, by contrast, the problems to be solved are a few in number and highly predictable in nature. Consequently, a fruit fly's brain is largely hardwired by heredity. Uh, again, they, they try and make this genetic argument. They try and make this argument from where you're from, from who you were raised by, and from the science behind it. But remember, we are looking for justification. Morality is all about justification. What is right or wrong? And why should we do such a thing? Because unfortunately, for a lot of humans, you could say wear a mask, but they will um, ultimately ignore it unless you give me them a good reason. Wear a mask because it helps slow the spread of COVID-19. That's a good reason. That's why I wear a mask when I'm out in public. It helps prevent the spread in case you have it to other people. That's a reason. So when I tell a murderer that it is wrong to murder, but I'm looking from an atheistic perspective, I don't think there's a God. I don't think there's any power outside of us that controls the universe, that guides the movements in our world. Then the murderer will say, well, what makes what I did wrong? We're just cells. We're just, we're just living, just reacting to our environment. And it's not to say that atheists aren't moral people. It is to say that none of us are moral because morality doesn't exist. It's just opinions. And this is a very, very important argument to make to atheists. So I'm skipping down the article. It's a, it's the section of it, it says back to ethics. Plato showed long ago in his dialogue, Euthyphro. That we cannot depend upon the moral fiat of deity. Plato asked if the commandments were of God were good simply because a God had commanded them, or because God recognized what that good, what was good, and commanded the action accordingly. If something is good simply because God has commanded it, anything could be considered good. There would be no way of predicting what, in particular, the God might desire next. And it would be entirely meaningless to assert that God is good. Bashing babies with rocks would be just as likely to be good with, as with the principle, love your enemies. It would appear that goodness of the God of the Old Testament is entirely of this sort. On the other hand, if, God, if a God's commandments were based on the knowledge of the inherent goodness of an act, we are faced with the realization that there is a standard of goodness independent of the God of the God, and we must admit that He cannot be the source of morality. In our quest for the good, we can bypass 
the God and go to his source. Given then that God's a uh, prior, prior, I, I don't even know. I can never read when I read articles. I, I, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll do the best I can. Uh, cannot be the source of ethical principles. We must seek such principles in the world in which we have evolved. We must find the subline in that mundane. What precept might we adopt? Let's stop here for a second. God is the source of good. God dictates some morality. He's the ultimate lawmaker. In fact, let me let me scratch that. There is a given moral code that God has to obey. It's true. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. What do you think the word is, my friends? Is that for interpretation? I personally see it as the ultimate law of morality. That God, it, and it is intertwined with God. It is a part of God. God is the source, but he has to also follow the source. To put it in a different way, if God decries a commandment that you must love and be forgiving, but he does not love and he is not forgiving, that is a contradiction of his word. But see, when he is intertwined with the moral structure, with the moral law, and he tells his creatures, his creations, what that moral law is, and we ought to obey it, that's a whole different thing. And this is the argument that God cannot sin, because he is morality. He is good. He is intertwined with the moral code that is eternal, along with the Trinity, the God structure. And that is something we must understand. But again, this is pinning the argument on someone else. Instead of instead of accepting the fact that if there is no God, there is no good, there is no evil, there's no point to anything. And this is the main problem that atheists have to face in this argument. This is the main problem that atheists have to justify. Because you hear them all the time when they debate people like Frank Turek, like William Lake Craig, like Ravi Zacharias. They always ask, ask the question, well, why would God do this? Why would God do that? Why would God do such a horrible, evil thing in their eyes? But then, they, then you have to ask them the question, what makes it wrong in the first place? What are you mad about? He just hurts himself. He just hurt matter. There's no justification to it. More when I return. This is Common Sense Christianity. Make sure you visit our website, cscpodcast.org. Uh, go check out our YouTube channel and help the ministry continue to grow. We will be right back. Um, so I had a discussion with Hannah Landsman, who has been on the podcast three or four times. She's a good friend. Uh, a really good person. She is an atheist. But we had a discussion. Uh, I believe it was either Thursday or Friday. I was on my way to Great Basin National Park, which is truly a beautiful, beautiful national park. Totally recommend it. Uh, one of the least visited national parks in the country. And you get to go on the loneliest highway in America out, out there. It's out in the middle of the desert in Nevada. 
Um, and it's really fun. Uh, and it truly shows the glory of God. I went there, uh, I, and it has one of the best night skies in the entire country because it's so isolated. And when you look at the stars, and I also had the opportunity to see that one comet that was passing by. So all three nights I was there. When you look at the stars, you realize how magnificent, how creative God really is. And if you don't believe in God in the first place, you may realize that, wow, maybe there is something to this whole God thing. Maybe there is a creator because the greatest evidence for God is the creation that surrounds us. But that is not what we are talking about right now. We are talking about me and Hannah's conversation on my Instagram. So she replies to my story. I was talking about Lolita the whale. She says, can I argue with you really quick? I said, sure. And she said, okay, it is not okay that they can find an animal in a small tank, a small space for their whole lives, right? I think you know where I'm going with this. So this is not okay. And I said, yeah, we agree with that. And she said, Hold, hang on, stuff is sending. Um, And she goes on to the point, she says, exactly, it's horrible. Uh, and she sends a picture of pigs in small cages. And I said, I criticize the meat industry, so again, I have nothing to disagree with. And it's not right that those animals are in there. And she says, all right, I'm not telling you to go vegan, by the way, just a discussion. But if they sold orca meat and they held orcas in spaces they couldn't move in, would you buy it and eat it? I said, no, I wouldn't. But remember, there are certain values we give to different creatures. She said, mm, then the values are off. His pigs are up in the top five smartest animals and are actually smarter than dogs. So if that's true, we should just eat dogs instead of pigs. And I said, it has to do with cultural values. And since we're talking about values, can you reasonably support abortion and then turn around and talk about saving pigs, cows, chickens, etc.? And she says, dude, you realize that coral reefs are dying because of the fishing industry and global warming, which the meat industry takes a huge part in. Okay, so culture should not make violence normal, okay? Culture is not an excuse for torture. And abortion isn't killing anyone. It's taking Columbus cells of a, out of a mother. Now, guys, realize what I just said to you in the first segment of this podcast. Atheists have, cannot have any definition of what is moral, what is right, or what is wrong, because it's opinions, you cannot justify it. So Hannah sits here. It criticizes me for eating meat, for eating steak, for eating hamburgers, for eating chicken. Yes, I'm that dude. I eat meat. And then she turns around. I say, okay, if you want to apply your standard, why do you support abortion? And then she just calls it a clump of cells. Here's my response. Yes, I do. And guess what? I rarely eat seafood. And Hannah, there's a thing called adapting. Also, what gives an animal its value? Don't give me this BS argument that the baby is a clump of cells. There is no point in any species uh, where a clump of cells becomes anything more. Because guess what? We are all just clumps of cells. And guess what? That's 100% right. Because we are all just clumps of cells. If you want to get literal about it, there's more complex. We have uh, 
billions, maybe even trillions of cells. A baby starts from one cell, then it goes to two, then it goes to four, and it continues to multiply. It turns into red blood cells, white blood cells, bone cells, whatever. Human spot is good, and because of how society works, humans give animals their value. We rank them, which isn't fair. If you met any of these animals and built a relationship with them, their value would change for you immediately. I said, right, Hannah, but again, you haven't told me what gives animals their value. She says, yes, we are clumsy cells, but uh, that can think and feel emotions and move and socialize. This clump of cells cannot think, cannot feel pain, has no emotion. And she said, yes, I did. What gives animals their value is that they are living, sentient beings who can think outside of themselves, and they are really complex beings. And humans shouldn't be able to rank their value. I said a one-year-old can think for itself. It can't think for itself. It doesn't know how to process information uh, or how to express their feelings. Should I be able to kill it? What I'm trying to get you to realize is that the standard you're applying to animals, you're not applying to babies. Why shouldn't humans rank animals? What philosophical and moral basis do you have for that? She says a one-year-old can feel pain. This is a huge difference between a one-year-old or a newborn or even an unborn baby who is more developed. At the times abortions are legal, it is still a few cells. It can't feel pain. It is literally barely alive. It would be equivalent to stepping on an ant. And I think if you disagree with abortion, then don't get one. And if you don't if you don't support eating animals, don't eat a hamburger. Don't question me on it. See, what I cannot stand and what ticks me off the most, and you hear me yell about it on this podcast all the time. It's a thing called double standards. You see all the freaking time in the media. In religion with pastors spewing out the propaganda that they were taught as kids. And they never begin to realize it. This double standard. Hannah is using it right here. Don't kill the pig, but kill the baby. Because somehow the baby has no rights, but the animal does. She says humans shouldn't be allowed to assign value to animals. But we should to our own kind. How the hell does that make sense? Because, see, it's all about narratives. It is all about how you are raised. It is all about your worldview. And she doesn't have one because she doesn't believe in someone that creates moral laws. She says she's moral. She says that there is morality in existence. And you can look back at the episode... Uh, the greatest atheist versus Christian debate, and you can hear this, her try to justify objective morality, but she fails at it, completely fails, because it simply cannot exist without any philosophical or moral basis in a God. I said abortions are legal in many states up to birth where the baby can certainly feel pain. I can argue that paralyzed people, since they can't feel pain, I should be able to kill them since they're just sitting there leeching away at taxpayer dollars. You hear the logic of that? That's the same logic that people use for abortion. I could say I should have paid taxes because my money, my choice. And also, why is killing an ant any different than killing a pig? They're just different sizes. She says, well, they do do that. They do kill people in comas and stuff. 
they can't feel pain. Most of the times they don't wake up. They actually, in, and actually in Utah, abortion is only illegal until the 18th week. And the fetus develops pain sensors, sensors after 20 weeks and thinking skills much later than that. And to be honest, killing an ant is almost worse because the ant is more complex than the fetus. I have more reasons, so I don't, so don't come at me with just that one. And no, that's not the same logic. And she fails to explain how that is the same logic. And you hear how sickening that is? She says, killing an ant is worse than killing the fetus. Now that's disgraceful. I'm still friends with Hannah. Still love her to death. She's a good friend. But that is disgraceful to say. Killing a fetus is not as bad as killing an ant? Because it's more complex. We're basing it off of complexity instead of humanity. I mean, I don't care if you're pro-choice. I'll have a discussion with you, a debate about it, go about it individual lives. That is my problem. Because in order to support uh, being pro-choice, you have to dumb down the value of the individual. You have to make it not human. Because if you make it human, you're just fine killing your own kind. I said, I said most states allow it until birth, not all. And comas are way different. If you're a brain dead, you aren't going to regenerate, then of course they'll let you die. Explain to me how that is in the same logic. She said, I'm okay. I've never heard a state that allows abortion up to birth. It's because she's uneducated on the topic. Continuing on. It's common to do that illegally, but I don't know of any states that do that. And I mean, the last part where you said an ant is like a pig logic. It... And not always, it sometimes depends on the family's values, but that's a different topic. And see, she refuses to answer my question because it refutes her very argument. I continue to say, Hannah, what I'm trying to get you to realize is that there is no value in anything in your worldview. You can assign it as a society, but that literally justifies every atrocity in human history. If we are allowed to kill babies, then we should be allowed to kill pigs, cows, or any other animal. There is no dividing line, it's just your opinion. She says, I try to see it as everything has value. Like, in the end, nothing means anything. We're all going to die, and the world doesn't mean anything. It's the life you have, and that means something. And okay, fetuses, I think, do have value. They're not meaningless, but I see it as potential value. But if someone needs an abortion, they most likely cannot take care of the kid, which is setting them up for failure in the long run. And they will have such a difficult life because they are a born a burden. And I am not saying that kids are burdens on society or anything people have lots of potential, but the fact is that you could avoid it in the first place. People should be able to make their own decisions about abortion, whether they need it, because they have no idea what they're going through. Uh, so we can't make those decisions for them. If you don't like abortion, feel free to speak your mind, but you can't take that away from people who need it. And I respond with this. Personal responsibility is key here, and it's something we've lost in America. If you can't support a child, you shouldn't be having sex. Now, you guys, I'm going to pause for a second. I know many of you are going to be angry with what I'm about to say. And guess what? Like I say every episode, I don't care. I'll have a discussion. I'll have you on the podcast. Email me, commonsensechristianitypodcast at gmail.com. Continuing on. That's a controversial opinion, but I think it's important to stress. Also, what are rights? Where do they come from, and how should they be enforced, and who gets these rights? Philosophically, what you said doesn't make sense. 
Natural rights are rights from God that are enshrined in the Constitution. You don't believe in God, so where ultimately do or should we decide these rights? Remember, 70% of abortions are for convenience only. If your life's in danger or you were raped, uh, by all means, have an abortion. I think in that case, it's your right. If you voluntarily have sex and a baby is a result on that, uh, and you and the father, that is why personally, that is on you and the father. This is why personal responsibility is so important. Today, people just want to do things and not accept the consequences. She says, yeah, so I feel like your opinions are more based on uh, are more religion-based, and mine are based with my morals. And yes, that does make sense, but you cannot ruin a 16-year-old's life because of a bad decision. In some cases, yes, but sometimes it's just a bad decision. And while, yes, you should be held responsible for what you do, don't bring a child into that mess. And to be honest, your opinions are flawed as well, uh, were the opposites on this. Uh, you believe we should save unborn babies, but the animals' lives matter less than that, and I think the opposite. You're damn right I think animals' lives are less important than human lives. You're damn right by that. I will shout that to the rooftops of this world. Because humans are made in the image of God. That is my core belief. Now, I think there's good secular arguments against abortion, but in the end, you have to assign a certain amount of value to justify something. I think orcas shouldn't be held in captivity because they're large, sophisticated, intelligent animals that need lots of room most of the time uh, and that should be allowed to live in the wild. I think cows and pigs and chickens shouldn't be confined in small spaces but rather should be held in the open, in fields, live out their lives, and when it comes time for them to die, you do whatever you need to do humanely, and then sell it on the market. I mean, there, there is balance to this. And this is the main problem that I have with Hannah. She goes, she follows what she wants. She has no defining value with any of the statements she made to me. And... And what I just said, I said to her, I said, you're damn right, I believe babies are more important than animals. And yes, I think of this from a religious sense. Personal beliefs affects people's views of the world. Humans have more value than animals, and I will maintain that position. Don't get me wrong, I think prevent, protecting the environment is very important. There needs to be a balance of things. Again, people need to be taught responsibility and the consequences for their actions. And she says, oh, frick, that sounds bad on me. I love babies, don't get me wrong. I ju just, I don't consider a clump of cells a baby. Yes, I agree, maintaining the environment is important, very important, of course. I see that animals and people have the same value, to be honest. Even though that sounds crazy, like a vegan lady thing to say. Um, so it was a good dis discussion, I think. And I'd love to talk about it on the podcast with her, although I don't think she'd be particularly interested. Uh, but again, with within being an atheistic vegan, and I know many of you may see see this as a dumb point, but I'm going to explain myself. Just hold on one sec. 
you're killing plants in the same way. Now, hold up, hold up, hold up. Before you even say anything about that, remember, without any defining value, there is no difference between a human and a bean plant. If I pick up a piece of grass, rip it apart, same as killing a human. You know why? Because there is no defining value. There is no difference. And that is a problem. We pick and choose what we want to believe. We pick and choose. We're going to have this standard, but not this standard. We're going to apply this, but not that. And that is a problem I have a lot with a lot of Christians. They say they take the entire Bible literally, but then they don't actually follow the entire Bible literally. They say they follow, they implement all the laws of the Gospels in the church, but they don't actually do that. One thing I've noticed, um, one thing I've noticed at my old church, which was a good church, TRBC, Thomasville Road Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida, is people weren't allowed to have hats in prayer. Because the Bible in 1 Corinthians, I believe, says that men should not have their heads covered. But, but, and, and this is, people are going to hate me for saying this, but I'm going to call out your bullcrap. But, guess what the next verse says? Women need to have their heads covered. They need to have their heads covered while in church. So why are you applying one standard and not applying the other? You know why? Because they only apply what is convenient for them. Instead of saying... There is certain interpretations. There are certain laws meant for certain cultures. There are certain laws for certain groups of people and for certain time periods. But again, people don't want to address this. They follow what is convenient for them. And we will talk more about this on Sunday. We will continue talking about the injustices in this world. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Common Sense Christianity. Guys, wear a mask. Stay safe. God bless you guys. Uh, Stay in prayer. Pray for the president. Pray for uh, the whole division of the country right now. Uh, Pray that God will help unite us. Pray for all the horrible things happening in the world. Uh, And stay safe. Stay faithful to Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and our King. We will see you guys here on Sunday.